This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk, and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Charlie Meacham. Charlie's remarkable business career spans six decades and includes stints as a lawyer, a business executive heading up the Taft Broadcasting Empire, and the Commissioner of Ladies Professional Golf Association. Charlie is a consummate storyteller, and he uses his great deal of experience, wisdom, and joy to help professionals become more engaging speakers. His book, Total Anecdotal and Podcast, 15 Minutes with Charlie, were made to share his insights and help readers and listeners become better presenters. Thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So obviously your background spans, you know, several decades. How did you kind of get started? Where did you get started and how did you make some of those career pivots? Well, I'm, I'm almost 90 years old, so I've, uh, I've tried to fill those years and and I guess I've succeeded at least in terms of the number of opportunities that I've that I've had. I was born and raised in a small town in southeastern Ohio, named Nelsonville, and uh, went to Miami University in Ohio, and then went to the Yale Law School. When I left Yale Law School, I became associated with a law firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, Taft, Titanius, and Hollister. I spent about nine years with a couple years out for the Army. When I got back, I, I rejoined from the Army. I rejoined my law firm and was quite happy, had fun clients. and I represented both the Cincinnati Reds and the Bengals and the Play-Doh Company and, and Tap Broadcasting was one of my clients. It was then a radio and TV company. Um, as a result of a tragic accident, the founder of Tap Broadcasting Company was killed. And to my great shock and amazement, I was asked to become the CEO of the company. I was then 37 years old and it was it was a very hard decision because I was comfortable in my law firm. My wife and I were enjoying what we were doing, but this seemed to be an opportunity that was too good to pass up. And we talked about it and agreed that um, if I didn't take the opportunity, I might never get such a chance again. So it turned out I spent 21 years as the CEO of Taft. And in that period of time, we broadened the base of the company significantly. We added a number of radio and TV stations. We bought the Hanna-Barbera Cartoon Company. We uh, built amusement parks all around the world, and we did TV and, and movie productions. Um, the company was doing so well that, uh, ironically, we were the subject of a hostile takeover. Two major financiers came after our company and and bid the stock up to the price to the point where we couldn't uh, really uh, stay independent any longer. So the company was sold, and after that, I went back to my old law firm. But after about a year, I was certain that I didn't really want to do that. Things had changed dramatically. The firm had grown from 
25 or 30 to 300. And uh, so when I was kind of contemplating what to do, I uh, got a call from a lady named Judy Dickinson, who was the uh, head then of the LPGA Players Association. And she invited me to become commissioner of the LPGA. And after some interviews and meetings, I did that. My wife and I spent five years, I say my wife and I, because she was deeply involved and traveled with me a lot in, uh, in uh, going around the various tournaments. With five wonderful, wonderful years. Um, but then after that, Arnold Palmer approached me. Uh, we'd gotten to know one another through my golf experience with the LPGA. And he invited me to uh, come and work with him as a consultant and advisor and a partner. So I did that for 10 more years. And after 10 years, uh, we moved back west where our kids basically lived and were raising our grandkids. And uh, the rest is history. Sorry to take so long, but it's it's been a long journey, Roman. That's awesome. And what do you think or how do you think how much of that in terms of kind of emotional empathy played into the decisions you made? and having a kind of IQ and taking advantage of because I think it's very important to take advantage of opportunities. Obviously, you may or may not be ready for the opportunity, but taking advantage of it because it may not come around. So like the, the Taft opportunity, if you didn't accept it, it may not have been presented in the future. It, it w- certainly would not have been, in my opinion. And the point you're alluding to is is critical for your listeners. Um, You can't agonize over things. I don't mean that you have to make rash uh, decisions. You have to think them through and have to be careful uh, whose advice you listen to. But to turn down opportunities, I have found it's always been, in my judgment, a mistake. If, If it doesn't work, you can always back off and go what, do what you were doing. But more often than not, it will work. And so if I have any advice for people getting opportunities, uh, think about them. Talk to some of your close uh, friends and advisors about them. Don't take too long to make a decision and then go for it. Yeah, I agree. And I think also, I'm sure in that process, I think making genuine connections with people and building relationships is often key to having those opportunities be presented as well and putting kind of your best foot forward to begin with. You know, it really is. I had been a lawyer for TAP Broadcasting and was on the board of directors, and I knew a lot about the company. So I was I was not making a blind, uh, uh, uninformed judgment. I knew the people. I knew the business. So it was a calculated decision, and uh, I never looked back. That's awesome. And in terms of kind of what motivates you now, obviously those motivations changed over time in terms of when you were younger to now, obviously with responsibilities and goals and things of that, that nature. What motivates you today? Well, my wife and I were laughing this morning. I said, you know, uh, uh, we got we to gotta keep doing a lot of things because we don't know how much longer we're going to be around at 90 and 89. And I'm being facetious, of course. Uh, death is, is inevitable and, and we accept it. But I do believe that it's really important to uh, 
continued to learn, listen. I particularly, I struggle, of course, with a lot of the new tech stuff, but I know enough to get by. I like to read a lot. I like to stay in touch with younger people. Um, so you've got to stay relevant. Uh, you've got to know what's going on in the world, even though on many days, you almost wish you didn't know what was going on. But you've got to stay relevant, and you've got to find something to keep you occupied. In my case, it was writing a couple of books. You've already mentioned Total Anecdotal, and I wrote another book about seven or eight years ago called Who's That with Charlie, which is not really a memoir, but it's sort of a series of recollections of my friendships with a lot of really wonderful people. So you got to stay relevant. You've got to stay engaged. and uh, the, the Lord's got to help you by keeping you healthy. Yeah, I agree. And what kind of made you start the podcast as well? Obviously, I think uh, podcasts and audio are a superior medium in 2020. And with everything going on in the globe, when did you kind of decide to do that as well? Well, when I did, uh, when I did uh, write the book, Total Anecdotal, a number of people said to me, this would be an ideal way through a podcast to promote and familiarize people with the book. And so the podcasts that I've done basically are based on the book. I will interview somebody, just as you're interviewing me today, uh, and I send them the book in advance, and I pick out five or six of the anecdotes in the book and, and let them know those in advance. And then I say to them, uh, let's consider this anecdote I'd like to know how this might have impacted your career. And that's the format that we've used and we're still using it and it's fun and people seem to enjoy it. That's awesome. And then kind of a personal question, obviously you've had all these successful career pivots in terms of all that process. Have you ever had a mentor or someone you looked up to or somebody that gave you kind of guidance that were kind of on the next level, maybe where you wanted to reach? Um, Yes and no. I, I hesitate call them mentors because it that suggests a dialogue. My mentors were basically people that I admired and respected and and wanted to be like and wanted to listen to. My dad, being the first uh, senior partner in my law firm, being another, uh, the chairman of TAP Broadcasting before he was killed, being another, my wife, my family. Um, that's, I, I listened to those people and, and, and tried to, to be what they had become and took their advice whenever they gave it. Yeah, I think that's crucial in having kind of in that sense, like you said, kind of an inner circle that will really give you, you know, honest opinion or honest feedback and not just kind of, yes, you, regardless of what you happen to be undertaking or what you want to do, whether that opinion is negative or positive. I'll give you a good example. When I was offered the TAP Broadcasting Company job, I was told I had to let the people know by the next day which was a blessing uh, as I reflected on it, because otherwise if they'd given me a week or two, I'd agonize myself to death. But so I called uh, a senior partner in my law firm. I called the, my closest friend, younger friend in the law firm. I spoke to my wife, of course, 
she was supportive. Then I called my dad. And when I told him why I was calling, I'll never forget it. He said, why the hell are you calling me? Of course you're going to take the job. Nobody ever got anywhere by turning down a challenge. And I've never, ever forgotten that, Roman, because it's dead right. Yeah, I agree. And I think all of those kind of decisions are naturally scary and humans are creatures of habit. So the habit is kind of self-preserving in terms of staying in a safe place, you know, safe, maybe job role or something in terms of your family. But as soon as you kind of fight that urge and it's a you and you versus battle, in my opinion, I often say, and when you take that first step, first hurdle, oftentimes in that kind of newness and that uncertainty, kind of the greatest advancements and uh, goals get reached. Correct. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've kind of turned into a strength along the way? This may surprise your listeners, certainly any of them who know me. Um, I uh, always consider myself a very private person. I was never more comfortable than being alone or with my wife or close friends. And I didn't really have an appetite for um, a, a public sort of life. But as my life evolved, it became clear in every job that I had, I was required to reach out uh, become much more of a public person. Um, and, and I did that. It was a little uncomfortable at first, uh, but I did it. And that would be my advice to anybody. You can, you can become a public person and still protect your own privacy and have your own private life. Uh, but that was probably the, the biggest challenge that I had. Uh, but I didn't have, I didn't really have a chance Roman, I didn't really have a chance to fail because I was in situations where it was a matter of either doing it or getting out of job, out of dodge. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think in 2020, with obviously social media and advancements in technology, people are kind of thrust into the uh, limelight in a way. And I think it's important, you know, some people aren't uncomfortable aren't comfortable sharing their stories or aren't comfortable doing interviews or things of that nature. But I think it's really important for people to tell their stories and things that they've been through, because I think there's at least one person out there that can learn from that. And maybe in terms of a hurdle that they overcome or something they're struggling with, that may help that one person through that same, you know, thing that you're, they're going you're through. absolutely right. And you know, the other, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, so I switched over to an interview format March 2019 after the passing of my grandfather that February prior to that. And I think I switched over to an interview format before it was just me on my podcast. And it really helped in the grieving and coping process, which I spoke to other people. Other people mentioned some of the hardships and losses they've had. And I think it helped with kind of the healing process. And I took that and I ran with it. Obviously, like you said, you listened to the first interview Versus at this point in a year, year and a half, I've done like 180 interviews and it becomes a lot easier. It becomes one of those things like you train a muscle or you train anything and it becomes that much easier to you. 
It really does. And it's important too, although doing it over and over again makes it easier, you've got to be careful that you don't become smug or condescending or sort of uh, listen to me, folks, because I've been doing this a long time. That's the flip side that is critical to avoid. Yeah, I agree. I think with with interviews, I think with podcasts, I think it's important. Well, at least for me, obviously, I've been on a lot of shows as well where the format is a little different, but I try to genuinely have a conversation and be interested in what the guest is saying and take something out of each interview as well. Right. Very important. So what's one thing you may have in terms of advice? I know you mentioned some in the beginning, but is there anything specific you want to share with the audience in terms of personal or professional advice that you kind of learned along the way that's really helped you succeed and thrive? Yes. uh, And this is kind of an odd way to answer your question, but I I think I may have invented a, a parlor game, which probably nobody's ever heard of. Uh, or certainly ever played, but it goes like this. Uh, God is getting ready to send you to earth. And he says, uh, now, Charles, uh, on this wall over here, I have all of the characteristics uh, that that I could give people as they go to earth. But there are a lot of people depending on me, so I can only allow you to choose two. So you pick the two characteristics that you think are most important. Not that, not that there aren't a lot of others, but I can only give you two. And so I thought for a bit and I came up with patience and a sense of humor. And then later I added a third with God's permission. And that was compassion. Let's, let's say it compassion slash passion. Now patience is critical. And as you, when you're really young, you're not very patient. As you grow older, hopefully you'll become more patient. And I found that uh, it's very, very important. Next, sense of humor. I can't tell you, your listeners, how many times I have seen a sense of humor, uh, quiet uh, and I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of the right word. Uh, anyway, get over a critical, tough situation. Third, compassion and passion. There was a great story in one of my books about a speech that Neil Simon, the great playwright, gave in a uh, as a commencement speech, and the one few lines that I never forgot was he said, when you take off those long black gowns and go forth, live your life as though Gershwin had written every line. You must have passion for what you do. You must really care about what you do. And he said, you know, if Michelangelo had not had passion, he would have painted the Sistine floor, not the Sistine ceiling, and it would have been rubbed out by today. I've never forgotten that line. So patience, sense of humor, and passion. 
Yeah, and I think that's kind of a great combo. It's like a like a building kind of stack of values in a way. So like you said, patience. I mean, I'm 35 and obviously my patience is a lot better than it was in my 20s, but it's still, you know, there's situations that test that. And obviously when you do improve it, you handle those those situations differently. And I, I agree with you, the the actual sense of humor, it gets you through some tough times, both in, you know, personal and business. And being compassionate, I think that's one of the most important thing of executives, leaders, entrepreneurs, to have that kind of compassion, because I think out of those three, that keeps you the most grounded and you don't kind of, you know, get too high on yourself. If I, You're absolutely right. Uh, let me give you an example of patience, which is one of the anecdotes in my book, Total Anecdotal. It goes like this. A man had a friend who had a cabin way up in the North Woods, and he would occasionally go there and spend a couple of days just to kind of unwind. So one time he went, and uh, fairly late at night, you're getting ready to go to bed, and he heard a, a, a small knock on the door. Well, he went to the door, and he didn't see anybody, and then he looked down, and he saw this little tiny snail. Well, he thought, I don't want to snail my house. So he reached down, picked up the snail, and threw it as far as he could out into the woods. Well, a couple years later, he came back to the cabin again. And amazingly, that, that night, there's another little knock on the door, and he goes, he looks down, it's the same little snail. And the snail looks up and said, what was that all about? <laughs> Pardon me for laughing, but I love the line. What was that all about? No, it's awesome. I mean, it is, you know, like you said, I don't mind the laughing. And you did mention uh, God a few times in terms of kind of having faith. Is that something, faith and spirituality, is that something you've had along the years? And if so, is that something that kind of got you through or how has that impacted you personally and professionally? Oh, I think in a very normal way, not uh, uh, not overdone or underdone. Um, grew up in a family where my mother deeply religious, as were my, was my grandfather, <clears throat> and uh, was also just always sort of part of the church, and, and it, it became less, became less active as the years went by, but uh, a, a faith is important. Yeah, I think whether it's religion or, or believing in something, I think it's one of those core values that adds to your compass and keeps you kind of aligned and driven in the right direction. Yeah, it, it's sort of like don't ever forget somebody's watching. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you or anything else you may have going on? Well, sure. Uh, well, first of all, I've enjoyed Roman very much speaking with you. Uh, it's fun for me to share these thoughts. And uh, my, my first book, as I said, was uh, called Who's That with Charlie? And a series of reminiscences. I've been blessed in my life to get to know some very famous people, some very not famous people. All have been my friends. But in that book, I tell a lot of stories about those, those friendships. And then Total Anecdotal, as the name suggests, is a book designed to help you become a better communicator uh, through the use of anecdotes. The best way to reach me uh, is... Uh, my email, which is just Charles, not Charlie, Charles Meacham at yahoo.com. Uh, or they, I have a website, 
I think it. I think it's. Uh, I think it's www.charliemeacham.com. I think, but and also um, I have a, a website. Uh, I'm sorry. What am I trying to say? A website for the podcast as well. So in any one of those ways, I can be reached and would be happy to talk or visit with any, any of your listeners. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by today. My pleasure. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.